0: Hey, let's go ahead and start with some prayer together as we dive into God's Word and hear God's Word for us today. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone here. Uh, Lord, we want to stop, and before we dive in, before we look, go any further, we just want to thank you for those uh, who have given their lives defending our country, uh, having our freedoms that we have here. Uh, we remember them today. And Lord, of course, we remember the ultimate price that you paid for our freedom. Lord, everything we do Everything we do as your followers is in light of that sacrifice. Help us as we keep walking forward to be willing to sacrifice as we follow you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Yeah, as Melody said, I grew up at Simi Covenant. I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor being here. It's a privilege being here. I love this place. I met my wife in this place, went on mission trips, gave my life to camp, uh, or to Jesus at camp, didn't give my life to camp, Uh, and uh, felt my call to ministry here while on a Mexico mission trip. And I went to school in Chicago, and then I worked in Minnesota for a few years, and then I was in Orange County. All that was doing youth ministry, and God was just growing me and changing me and shaping me and kind of forming me even as a pastor. And then about 13 years ago, uh, I moved to Modesto as a youth pastor. And um, you may think, Modesto, that doesn't sound very exciting. But it is, and the reason it's really exciting is because God is on the move. And so, about three years into being a youth pastor there, um, we really felt the Lord calling us to plant a church in Modesto. The church we were at wanted to plant a church. They didn't kick me out, they asked me to go do it. And so, we went out and we started a brand new church in town called Covenant Grove. And our theme verse, was John 15, 5. And it's Jesus saying, I am the vine. This is from the New Living Translation. I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain or abide or dwell in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. If you want to know that fruit? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, somewhere in the Bible, right? Uh, it's in Galatians 5, you didn't know that. But th- that's, that's the fruit says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The idea is rooted life. That's why we called it Covenant Grove. If you could get your roots into Jesus, instead of trying to do life on your own, instead of trying to do all the work on your own, if you just could get your life deeply, deeply, deeply rooted into Jesus, which is not what you see, it's not the same as your Sunday morning face, it's actually deeper down, asking deeper questions, what's really going on inside of you, what's really driving you, if you could get to that, then there would be fruit. If you could have that health, that would be it. So that was the vision for this church plant. We started with about 40 people. And we started with about 46 people when we started. After four months, we had grown to 44 people. That's right. We had actually lost two people. And we had this moment where we thought, we're in big trouble. It's the middle of the recession. We're thinking, this is not going to work. And we got really scared. And we really had a kind of come to Jesus moment. I had a kind of come to Jesus moment where I'm saying, God, what's going on? What does this mean for my family? Am I even going to be able to make it financially? What's going to happen and in this moment, God was really speaking to me about the need to get out and to get on his mission with him. Okay? If we're a church plant, you got to reach people. You can't just say, well, here's our people and that's it. You're you're kind of racing against the clock. And so we were sitting there saying, okay, God, we got to get out there. And we started sharing stories about getting out there and going to the gym and inviting people or meeting people at the Mac store. We had one of the Mac people wind up coming to our church for a while. Just anything that we were sharing stories about, how do we get out there and share Jesus with people, this contagious, rooted life in Jesus? And what happens is once you get on the mission of Jesus, you know what starts to happen is you start to have all these fears inside of you get exposed. You start to go, oh, that's why I'm not doing it. Oh, and then that's where God's doing the work on you. It's as you're on the mission, God is working on you. Okay? And the main thing I'm trying to say today, we're talking about roots, we're going to talk about the three roots, is God can do amazing things when we follow him. Follow him no matter what and live out his mission. So what happened at Covenant Grove is we went from that 40, and then oh, as time went on, we were meeting in a, in a high school for about five years. We grew to about 175 people in that high school, and then we were getting comfortable, and then the high school asked us to leave, and then we were uncomfortable again, and this is kind of God's pattern in my life, maybe your life as well. You just, right as you're kind of getting comfortable, he goes, I got something new for you, because we think, God, it's your job to make me comfortable, and God says, no, it's not. It's my job to make you closer to me. And I will make you uncomfortable if it will help you get closer to me. Have you ever found that you get closer to God when you're uncomfortable? Or when tragedy happens or when you're in the storms? Okay? And, and then God's drawing you closer, right? And, and so God's doing this. And so we then had to, we actually ended up finding land, which was like really, really hard to do. And there was actually already a church on them. the church, unfortunately, was closing. And they were selling us the building. But it was going to raise more money than we thought we could possibly raise. But then God did it and people are going crazy, and it was exciting. And we went to two services for the first time. A couple of years later, we went to three services. Now we're outgrowing that building. We're coming close to 400 people on a Sunday. And we're looking at expanding. We're looking at planting a church because we were a church plant. We want to go plant a church. God is just doing nuts things. And if you ever have that thing where you're going like, I feel like I'm tired just catching up with Jesus because I'm a follower of Jesus, but Jesus is running right now okay, and you're like, I'm just trying to keep up, there's an excitement and a joy, and that's my point is, yeah, I'm in Modesto, but I am loving being there, as Melody said, okay, I'm loving being there, because God is moving, and God is at work, and he's not just at work in the lives of the church, he's at work in my life, he's growing me to trust him in deeper ways, and it's super exciting. Here is what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 18 through 20, if you got a Bible, you can turn there, okay, Uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, this is what it says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were fishermen. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men and women. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. Now, I love this because this is, this is just as simple as it gets. Right? Is anyone confused by this verse? Okay, we can have a little class afterwards if you need to. This is very, very simple. This is what it means to be a Christian. Come, follow me. Literally walk behind me. Literally, get in my footsteps, and that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And sometimes we make it super complicated. We go, well, you know, being a Christian means this, or you know this, or you went to this class, or you said this thing. It doesn't. It means you literally follow Jesus. And part of the reason Jesus ascended into heaven is that we could all follow him, but not have to be in the same place. We're all still followers of Jesus, But we can be in different places and still be following him. And that's what we got to be asking. Are we following Jesus? Or are we saying, Jesus, you need to follow me? Jesus, I want to have you in that little compartment in my heart. And you're just going to go wherever I tell you to go. You're going to watch whatever I tell you to watch. You're going to do whatever I tell you to do. You get to follow me. And whatever goes wrong, it's your job to fix it, Jesus. Instead of I'm following you. I'm your follower. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what I've given my life to, to the one who gave his life for me. Okay? And then he also says, so that's discipleship. This is that first root of discipleship. Jesus says, come follow me. Not come follow some teaching. Not come follow some religion that you made up. Not follow part of the Bible. Not follow the parts you like the best. Follow Jesus, who he is, what that's all about. You need to know him. You need to know his words. you got to have that in your mind. That's number one. That's discipleship. Okay? And then the second is fellowship. Because Jesus, when he said, come follow me, the word come is actually plural in Greek. It's an imperative. It's a command. But it's plural. So it's you all. Or if you're from the south, it's y'all. Y'all come follow me. Okay? So he's telling them, come follow me together. Jesus calls us into community. And people say, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I say, but is Jesus leading you into a church? You have to follow Jesus to be a Christian. It's Jesus leading you to church. And they go, well, I don't want to talk about that. Okay? Right? Well, the church has done so much stuff to me. And I go, absolutely, because church is full of people. How much have you done to others? You know, I don't want to talk about that either. Right? How can the church proclaim forgiveness to the world if we haven't forgiven each other? Don't you realize that God's put a bunch of broken, messed up people together so we could show the world how to forgive each other? That's how we proclaim forgiveness, because there's a lot to forgive, Right? That's what we're teaching the world. Not that we're perfect, but we're connected to the only person in the world who is perfect. Okay? So that's fellowship. You've got to have that root of fellowship. And then there's mission. And Jesus says, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you into fishers of men and women. You understand? He's actually trying to change who you are. He's actually trying to turn you into someone who has the same passion for lost and hurting people that he does. And I guess I ask you that question. Do you have that? Do you have that same passion and love? Or do you have like, Jesus, thank you for having so much love to save me? I don't really want to pass that on to others. I just wanted you to love me enough to reach me, and then I was good. Now now I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so appreciative, and God's like, I'm not done working on you, and you're like, "Yeah, you are. We're done. Over. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Jesus says, I want to make you a fisher of men and women. I want you to get on my mission. What we often do is we say, God, here's my mission for life, and I want you to kind of fit into that. Or here's my cause, and we slap the Jesus sticker on it. Instead of saying, no, no, the mission of Jesus is the mission of the church, is the mission of God's people. This is our mission for life. Okay, and I don't know if you know this, but if the church doesn't do her mission, no one else is going to. We're the only ones who are committed to proclaiming the name of Jesus and reconciling God and humans together through Jesus, through his sacrifice. No one else is going to do that. Okay? So we got to be all about that, all about that, all about that. I remember way back in ninth grade, back in 19, and I was, I was going to church. I was going to see me covenant. I was going to Sunday school. I, in fact, I was like one of those memorize the Bible Sunday school people because I loved getting all the awards and all the stuff and all the little things that goes with it. I loved all that. But you know, I act differently at home. And I acted differently in sports. And I acted differently at school. In fact, I acted differently depending on who I was around at school because I was an honor student. I acted differently around them than I was with my sports friends. And finally, at one point, the, you know, if you ever have that time where you feel like, you know, the, the speaker has got me in his crosshairs tonight, or God is targeting me, I had one of those nights at camp. And the speaker said, you know, some of you go on this spiritual high at camp, and then you come back, and it's all just back to where it was. And then you're on this roller coaster thing, up and down. I thought, uh-oh, that's me. And I realized, you know, Jesus died for me, and I needed to be all in. I needed to say no matter what. And the reason I'm a church planter and the reason that I even went to Minnesota uh, when I was way back, when I was in Chicago and I moved to Minnesota and I wanted to go to California and I had to pull out a map and say, God, I know you made the world, but I don't know if you know California is this direction. And the reason I did all that stuff is because way back in ninth grade, I made a commitment to follow Jesus no matter what because he gave his life for me no matter what. And that's led me on this adventure of being all in. And I really try to make it not much more complicated than that. I really try to not say, yeah, but my family. Yeah, but my finances. Yeah, but my kids. Because God always says back to me, don't you think I know better for your kids than you do? When I want to say, yeah, God, I'm going to use my kids as an excuse to be comfortable or not take risks for you or not live out the mission. God says, get on the mission with me. God can do amazing things when we follow him and live out his mission. Now you might be saying to me, Scott, that sounds great. Love hearing your story, testimony, hallelujah. It's all good. But you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the pain in my life. You don't know the hurt that I've experienced. And right now I'm just trying to heal. Right now I'm just trying to recover, okay? And I wanna read, just a couple weeks ago, we had Easter, right? And I wanna read from Matthew 28. So, if you're in your Bible, go ahead and turn over to that. We're going to read that together. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. The angel spoke to the woman. This is verse 5. And the angel said, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. Have you ever had that experience as a Christian? When you're really on the move with Jesus, you're frightened but filled with great joy, this anticipation of what could God do, okay? Our natural tendency is to move towards comfortable, okay? And I just gotta ask you in the Bible, how many stories did God call people and they were comfortable? Do you understand what I'm saying here, right? This natural tendency inside of you and even this American dream thing, of let me be comfortable, let me just live out my life comfortably, is maybe maybe gonna collide with God's word, which is like, no, no, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to get closer to me. I want you to grow, because trees grow. Every year, trees grow, right? That's why there's rings, and we'll go into that a whole another time. Okay, here's what it says. They were filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angels' message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Now you got to just understand very, very clearly, no one has denied there was an incredible tragedy. Jesus was crucified. It's the darkest day in history. Darkest day. No one denied that. No one denied there was a horrible miscarriage of justice, that religious leaders and political leaders condemned him to death, that his disciples abandoned him. There's a horrible tragedy that's happened here. No one's denying that. But, you know, Jesus doesn't say, you know, let's sit down and talk about that for a while. Are you guys feeling okay? Are you all right? Let's, let's process that together. He says, go. Go, because it's as you go that the healing happens. It's as you go that things start to make sense. It's as you get your feet moving that stuff starts to fall into place and you go, this, I get it. I understand. I understand how God takes the trash that people put in my life and he recycles it into something beautiful. He takes the pain and turns it into treasure, into something that actually builds up your life. Okay? He takes those bricks that people have thrown at you and says, if you let me heal you, we can actually use it to build a foundation to make you even stronger. There's going to be storms. There's going to be storms. But Jesus kept calling people to get on the move. And even at the end of this chapter in Matthew 28, he calls the disciples together and he says, go. Go. And again, the Greek there is an imperative. It's go, but it's actually a participle. It means going. It's as you go, while you go, go make disciples. Go and do this. Your life is to be a life on the move with Jesus. And as you do that, amazing things happen. And even the pain you feel starts to make sense. It starts to understand. Because, you know, we ask the question, God, how could you let this happen to me? And the pain we feel is very real and God is not denying it. How could you let this happen? And the question the Bible asks back is how could he let it happen to himself? How could he let it happen? How could Jesus let people kill him? How could Jesus have let this tragedy happen? Because we got to have this different understanding of what God is trying to do in us and through us and in the world and in our churches And it's not avoiding all pain, because if it was avoiding all pain, then Jesus would have avoided all pain. But if we're followers of Jesus, then we can expect to live the life he lived. If we're saying Jesus lived the perfect life, did he? Like, that's the life you want? You want to live that life? That's what we're saying as Christians. That's the life I want to live. I want to be willing to be crucified. That's what Paul said. That's what Peter said. That's what the rest of the Bible says. I want to know Christ, Paul says, and to share in his sufferings is what Paul said. Becoming like him in his death is what Paul said. I don't know if we really want that. I don't know if we're really comfortable with that. We're like, I want to quasi-follow Jesus. I want the Diet Pepsi version of Jesus. I want kind of the light version, right? I want the Jesus loves me, this I know, not the take up your cross and follow me, Jesus. Right? I want that. I want that. You know, it helps me because I'm hurting, and God's trying to go, you are hurting, but the solution is to get on the move with me, and I think we misunderstand God. You know what? We are resurrection people. Is there an amen to that? Are we resurrection people? Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. You're saying amen to something. I don't know if you understand what you're saying amen to. If you're resurrection people, not not just Jesus' resurrection, your resurrection, God rebuilding things in your life, you know what has to happen before resurrection? Resurrection. And no one wants to say it. I hear you. I hear you. There's got to be a crucifixion before a resurrection. That means there's things in your life that God is going to let die. It's almost like Jesus said it. Take up your cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be my follower, take up your cross and follow me. We're resurrection people, which means when we go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we go through injustice, God is getting ready to do a resurrection work in your life. We want God to take away all our pain, and we question God's goodness when he doesn't. And God's going, I'm preparing you for the work that's in you. He doesn't like the pain that's caused you. He didn't cause the pain that was caused you. We often think that. God caused it. He's not the cause of everything. Okay? If you've been a parent, you've been blamed for things that you didn't do, that your kids did, and they blamed you for them. Someone's saying amen now. Someone's saying amen now. And yet those are the same people who say, God, why'd you let this happen? And God's going, you mean the person who ran into you? Like, I didn't cause that. That person's a bad driver. Okay, that's not my fault, but I'm here to help you and heal you and protect you, and and, and I'm actually going to grow you through that pain and through that recovery. God doesn't waste it. But I think sometimes we misunderstand God. I think we misunderstand what God's up to. I think we misunderstand God's love. Growing up, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad. And, uh, and oh, here's, here's the point there. Uh, stay rooted to Christ in the storms. I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad. And, and I knew he loved me, but I often felt like he was disappointed in me. And I was definitely scared of getting in trouble. I was just scared of getting in trouble all, all over the place. You know, I was scared at church. I was scared all the place. I was especially scared with my dad. So one day I was riding my bike to school. This is in junior high, over the hillside. Go Hawks. Okay. <laughs> and and i'm riding my bike to school and i cross the street this is near royal and sycamore and i cross the street and i'm looking this way and i look to the right cuz there's no crosswalk and i look back to the left and i don't know how it happened but i think a car pulled out of the street and i hit the car now the car didn't hit me i hit a moving car on my bike that's hard to do okay <laughs> i hit this bike i go flying over the top i land on the ground no damage like this is a miracle right and my first thought as a middle school kid is something happened make sure I'm okay let's take responsibility for my actions no it was not absolutely not my first thought is run run I'm gonna get in trouble I was so scared of being in trouble I gotta run I gotta run but unfortunately my bike tire looked like that that's not my actual bike tire, but that's called a taco tire, right? Like, I, put, I look up, and there it is. It's, I'm like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. The guy, there's no cell phones back then, so the guy, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm, yes, I'm okay, okay. And he says, well, let's load your bike in the car, and I'll give you a ride home. Now, this is not a good thing to do, kids, okay? But back then, back then, it was kind of okay. So I, I'm dazed. I'm confused. I get in the car, it takes me home. And my mom's there and she's like, What happened? And she's like super concerned for me. And I felt good, I felt good, mom, making me feel better. And 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 she's there, and the guy leaves, and, and of course, what does my mom do? She calls my dad. Well, I'm scared. I'm going, What's gonna happen now? So I go up to my mom, because she says my dad's coming home. I go up to my mom and I say, I wanna go to school. Mom's like, Are you crazy? And I was like, No, I wanna go, I'm fine. I'm totally fine, totally fine, I wanna go to school. So I go to school. Now, of course, this is junior high. This is middle school, right? I get to school, and the tale has grown. We heard you died. We flipped eight times in the air. We already planned your funeral. We're kind of sad that you're alive because it was going to be so beautiful, right? The whole thing is like grown in the telling. I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But, of course, the one thing everyone's asking me is, what are you doing at school? Like, you have the perfect excuse not to go. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, what's going to happen tonight when I go home? I'm scared. School ends. I get home. My dad's not home. He had come home, but then he had gone back to work. And so I'm waiting. You know, And if you ever, as a kid, know it's like the clock is ticking, right? And the clock is ticking. And finally, as it gets close to dinner time, when my dad comes home, my mom says, why don't you go take out the trash? So I go and I take out the trash, and as I go in the side yard, I take out the trash, because my bike is just trash, right? My bike is done, and it's not going to be able to be repaired. And I take out the trash, and I throw it in the trash can, and I look to the left, because I hadn't seen it on the way out. And there is a brand new bike with my name on it from my dad. And I realized my dad didn't come home to punish me that afternoon. He came home to provide for me. And as I came in from being outside, taking the trash in, my dad had come home. And I just came up and I gave him a big hug. And our relationship was not the same after that. And I didn't get changed immediately. But as time went on and as high school kind of went on, we took trips together. We spent time together. And, we, and to this day, my dad's one of my best friends in my life. Because I finally understood what he was trying to do in my life. And I wonder if you need to have that breakthrough moment with God where you can take your whole life, no matter how old you are, and look back and go, I get it now. Finally, I get it. I understand my pain. I understand my victories. I understand my gifts. I understand my purpose and my calling. And I am going to live for you, Jesus. That's what it means. And I, I, my passion in life is to help people understand God's purpose for their lives. Because so many of us are trying to wrap God into our purpose instead of finding the freedom and joy of being wrapped into his purpose for life. And it's powerful when it happens. Colossians 2.7 says this, Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. If your roots are down in him, if your lives are built in him, your faith is strong and you are overflowing with thankfulness. Does that describe most people you meet on a daily basis? Overflowing with thankfulness, right? Just bursting. Woo, I'm thankful. Life is great. I'm just doing that. How are you doing? I'm great. Fine. Right? Does the world need this? Does the world need some roots? When you get your lives rooted in Him, then the fruit can come. But you know what we try and do? We even try and do this in church. We go, man, you seem to have joy growing on your tree. I'm going to pluck it right off of there. I want to take that fruit. I want to take that's mine. I'm going to steal that fruit, right? And suddenly the fruit starts to rot, starts to go bad in your hand. You need all three of those roots so that God's fruit, God's love, God's thankfulness can be overflowing in your life. God is trying to offer you, this is how to do it. Stop doing the, I checked that box or I've done that thing or I feel good about myself and start really living that life following Jesus, all right? I wanna I'm gonna go up here. I'm gonna mess up these, these chairs up here. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to do it, okay? So can you guys still see me up here? Okay, so we're going to talk about, like, I want you to pretend this is like a car. Okay, this is like a car. Okay, so we got the we got shotgun, we got the back seat here, and I want to use this analogy, like you're driving along in life, and the question is, where's Jesus in the car of your life? Where is Jesus in, in in here? Okay, now for some people, Jesus is on the side of the road. He's not in their life. Right? They know about Jesus. They're driving along and it's like, hey, Jesus, what's up? Yeah, see you. Bye. Right? Jesus is not in their life. But at some point, people are like, I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to invite Jesus in. So they, so they pull off the side of the road and they invite Jesus to hey, Jesus, come into my life. And Jesus starts to look at the front seat and you go, no, Jesus not there. Jesus looks back to you, no, Jesus is not there. And you go, Jesus, I got a really good spot for you in the trunk. I'm going to put you right here in the trunk. I'm going to put you right here in the trunk. And this is how some of you might be living. You don't want to see Jesus. You don't want to hear from Jesus. You just want Jesus when your car breaks down. Jesus, you know something about mechanics, right? Can you fix this? I crashed my car into a tree. Fix it. Oh, Jesus, you can't fix it. Well, then go right back in the trunk. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to be bothered by your word. Just sit here in the trunk. And all I need to know is that at the end of my life, you're my fire insurance, so I don't go to hell. So then when they look at the gates and they say, you need to have Jesus, look, I got Jesus. He's a little battered and bruised, but I got him. That's how some people live their Christianity. And they go, well, this is, this is what it means to be a Christian, right? I have Jesus in my life. That's not what Jesus said. He said, follow me. Now, some of you... You're doing a little better. I think there's a progress here. I think sometimes we start out. And you say, okay, Jesus, fine. I'm going I'm to invite you in. I wanna, I'll, I'll listen to you right here. Put Jesus in the back seat, right? And you're driving along, and Jesus is one of those annoying backseat drivers. Anyone have to live with any of those people? Or if, if your kids went through driver's training and they tell you all the laws that you're violating as you're driving. <laughs> okay? And Jesus is back there saying, no, you should go this way. You should do this. And you're like... I will pull this car right over, right? Jesus is in your rear view mirror, and he's giving you one of these looks. Like, listen to me. Like, I'm your Lord, and you're kind of like looking away. Like, no, I'm just trying to focus on the driving, right? Quiet, 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 quiet. But you're listening to him. He's in your life. You're listening, but you just don't really want to listen. Or if you listen, it's kind of up to you. You're still deciding where to go. Now, some of you, you have made the decision to actually say, Jesus, I'm going to put you here in shotgun. I want, I want to listen to you. I want you to actually tell me where to go. I want you to help navigate me. But, you know, Jesus, you're going you're gonna to kind of be that person. And you're there, and you have this, you love Jesus, and you, you let him actually speak to you and guide you. But you know what? On the side, you keep open your Apple Maps or your Google Maps or whichever one you think is not going to lead you into danger, even though we all know that they probably will, right? And so Jesus gives you advice, but you also have the advice of the world, and you kind of weigh those out together. This is part of the Christian growing faith, right? You get to that point where you go, do I trust God's word or do I trust the wisdom of the world more? And I'm just going to sit there and, you know, I hear Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're you're my Lord. But I also am going to kind of weigh this out. And I know many of you are thinking, oh, what what it really means to be a Christian is Jesus is going to take the wheel. I'm here to say to you, no, he's not. You are always going to be in control of your life. Jesus' goal is not to take control away from you. His goal is for you to surrender your navigation to him. Turn off your phone. Turn off your other map. And when he leads you somewhere, you say, I'll go. You keep your hand on the wheel. But he's going to tell you to go places you do not want to go. Are you willing to go? Christian history, the history of the church I'm in, The history of this church has been bold people who have been led by Jesus to go places they did not want to go, and they did, and the world is a better place because of it. Your life, have you had times where God has led you places you did not want to go? And when you went there out of faith, He made you stronger. Will you do it again and again and again? We are resurrection people. Live a rooted life in him and watch the fruit that will spring up in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in this church. Thank you for this church and the lives that they've impacted and the life that they impacted in me. Thank you, God, for the faithfulness of the people here. And God, I just pray that your spirit will do a powerful, mighty work in people's hearts today. Lord, we love you and we wanna take that next step with you no matter what. In Jesus' name. Amen.